President Biden's meeting with congressional leaders on the debt ceiling impasse yielding little progress. House Speaker Kevin McCarthy saying there was no new movement while railing against uh, the president's continued insistence on a clean debt ceiling increase. And the big four are set to reconvene uh, with the president on Friday as the threat of default uh, looms over the economy. What's going to happen with the debt ceiling? Is the president going to negotiate with the speaker in terms of spending cuts to get this deal done? Well, look, it was a productive meeting yesterday. The president made clear that uh, default should not be an option, and the folks in the room uh, agreed with that. Remember, we've never defaulted on our debt, and a default would be uh, create a devastating economic crisis and immediately throw the economy into a recession. You might think that the U.S. government is coming for your gas stove. That is a new and absolutely ridiculous one. Turns out Fox News and Republicans are up in arms because they say the government is coming to take your stoves. What Republicans are saying is, damn it, they're going to take your gas stove. The GOP have been stoking a ridiculous new freakout about gas stoves. No one is taking your gas stove. The right-wing freakout over the use of gas stoves is merely the latest in a long series of made-up culture war battles designed to enrage and rile up their right-wing and paranoid base. New York City is moving to snuff out gas stoves. New York becoming the first state to ban natural gas and other fossil fuels in most new buildings, including gas stoves. The new law requires all electric heating and cooking in new buildings shorter than seven stories by 2026. Governor Kathy Hochul and the Democratic-controlled state legislature approved a bill on Tuesday prohibiting the use of fossil fuels for heating and cooking. The law is the first statewide ban in the nation and goes into effect in 2026 for buildings under seven stories. Okay, then you go on to say in the statement, and while I am not supposed to say it, I will. Why were you not supposed to say it? Because it's not politically correct to say, read the next, go ahead, that she's not my type. Yeah, because it's not politically correct to say it, and I know that, but I'll say it anyway. She's accusing me of a woman that I have no idea who she is. The worst thing you can do, the worst charge. And and you know it's you know it's not true too. You're a political operative also. You're disgrace. You're a disgrace. But she's accusing me, and so are you, of and it never took place. And I will tell you, I made that statement and I said, well, it's politically incorrect. She's not my type. And that's 100 percent true. She's not my type. You were referring to her physical looks, correct? Just the overall. Not my, I look at her. I see her. I hear what she says. Whatever. You wouldn't be a choice of mine either, to be honest with you. I hope you're not insulted. I would not, under any circumstances, have any interest in you. And now the Heritage Foundation. Yes, yes. And every single one of those groups is funded by the fossil fuel industry. Is that not true? Well, unfortunately, I don't have the benefit of being able to rely on a family fortune made in the Minnesota gas business or having my spouse's family fortune come from United Gas. And the Heritage Foundation is a club that anyone can join, not just white people. During 2021, it had hundreds of thousands of individual foundation and corporate supporters representing every state in the United States. Joe Biden's son, Joe Biden's brother, Joe Biden's brother's wife, Hunter Biden's girlfriend or Bo Biden's widow, however you wanted to write that, Hunter Biden's ex-wife, Hunter Biden's current wife, and three children of the president's son.
and the president's brother. So far this semester, he has been absent nine times. Nine times. Nine times. And welcome back to another episode of the Unregulated Podcast. This is episode number 131 here on Wednesday, May 10th. I am your co-host, Tom Pyle. And I am your newly rejuvenated co-hostess, Mike McKenna. All right. Well, the debt ceiling, the big meeting took place and a whole lot of hey, nothing d- happened. It was a D.C. meeting. They agreed to have yeah, more meetings. Exactly. Now, uh, the, the, the second clip in that little uh, double whammy there was NEC Deputy uh, Bharat Ramamurti. Yeah. Did I do that right? I Rama guess, yeah, you know. It's it's phonetic, but sometimes I still butcher mm-hmm. it. Now, I, I don't want to belabor this too much because it's just the Well, let's just belabor it the right amount. I think the White House strategy is to try to force the Republicans to do a straight bill. And, and the reason I say that is because if you listen to him, he said, um, you know, if this happens – there will be a quick recession. Now, there still might be a recession, but I'm sure the Democrats would love to blame some kind of a recession on House Republicans. Now, on the other hand, to Speaker McCarthy's point, the House has passed a bill to raise the debt ceiling. The Senate, with that Mike Lee letter, which I think we should you know, point out that basically... The Republican, there's enough Republicans that will block a straight up 43 debt ceiling vote, 43 clean debt ceiling vote. So Schumer doesn't have the ability at this, at least at this point to bring anything to the floor that resembles a straight up vote. So this is going to end in something. Now, John Podesta, the, uh, the syndicate dude over in the white house has floated just today their version of permitting reform because they think that might end up being on there, which, of course, includes all the transition stuff. So anyways, I don't want to get into too much about it, but here we are uh, getting closer and closer to D-Day, yeah, I mean, according look, to uh, I'll, I'll make it uh, simple. the Treasury Secretary. I'll make it simple. It, it, it's not complicated. The House has come out in favor of uh, budget reforms, budget changes. The um, <clears throat> the Senate has said, yeah, you know what? We probably could go along with some of that stuff. The Senate separate. Dem- the Senate Democrats, yeah, yeah. The Senate Democrats have said, yeah, we probably go along with some of that stuff. The real development in the last 15 days, 10 days, has been Mike Lee's letter, right? 43 Senate Republicans. What that means is Senate Democrats are now going to have to make some kind of deal with the Senate Republicans. The, the only guys now holding the fort of no changes ever, like give us a clean um, debt ceiling thing, are the guys in the White House. Yeah. That's a position that's going to be sustainable for probably another two days. Yeah. And McConnell's holding firm that any deal that the Republicans go by will have to be agreed to by McCarthy. Yeah. So, I mean, it, you know, he's the, given McCarthy room to run here, the, which is good. The Republicans, so. I, I, I don't know who these, I don't know who these people are because they're, 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 <laughs> This, this is a this is a fairly skilled, disciplined legislative <laughs> operation. I don't, I'm not sure what the hell's going on. All right, so uh, apparently Republicans have stoked the culture war on gas stoves. It's just a t- it's just totally false. They took some bureaucrat who had no power, 
uh, and ran with this narrative that, that the Democrats want to take away your gas stove. If you are a consumer of legacy media, I'm going to say this as nice as I can. If you are still consuming legacy media, you're not very bright. Yeah. You might I, want to I think was about actually joking with one of my staff this afternoon. I'm like, all right, so there's what do I what am I supposed to watch now? Because theoretically, I'm not supposed to watch Fox anymore, right? So anyway, I thought that supercut was fun and and telling, uh, instructive. Uh, Governor oh. Hochul, of course, uh, has gone ahead and banned gas stoves, and also there's a DOE regulation to restrict and or potentially ban certain types of gas stoves. And and I thought her line, which wasn't in the cut there, was was pretty good. Hey, this is just how you transition. I agree. I want to point out it is in fact how you transition. You just you, flat out you ban you ban it. Right. You mal mal your opponents. Um I would point out without any rancor whatsoever that the governor is of course from Buffalo. Yeah, just lay off. I, yeah, just I tried to, to give her a chance. Just wanted, but, to, just but wanted to remind everybody of that. Okay. Uh, other big news this week, of course, is that the uh, codependency between the Democrats and President Trump continues. I played that small but rather poignant section of President Trump's deposition in the trial. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. So I don't know why the bleep that they they bleeped out the word rape. rape, which I maybe I don't know. It's not offensive. It's a fact. It's a word. It's, it's part it's, of the it's, case. I was gonna say it's a charge. But you know case. we've got to well, be sensitive the these days. But but yeah. <laughs> President Trump, man, he's something else. He's, he's a, just yeah, man. Whew, I'll leave it at that. Uh, and then of course um, our our good friend uh, and uh, heritage uh, energy guru. Diana Furchcott Roth was testifying in front of Senator Sheldon Whitehouse, who attempted to smear her because she works for organizations who take evil fossil fuel money or money from fossil fuel interests, to which she retorted to the senator. Well, you heard it. That was a sleigh. That was a beautiful sleigh. um, You know, it. it, That was great. You got to think. Cheers to you. You know, between her, between her and Ben Zyker, you got to figure eventually Senator Whitehouse going to stop know what, inviting though? people. You he, he just keeps rolling. It's like he's impervious to it. You know. Yeah, I've been thinking about that for a while because he's been on this. He's been on this pointless jihad for a number of years now, right? He he went down to the he went down to the well and gave a speech like every day for a year or some such about climate change and blah 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 blah. It it it's got to be one of three things, right? Two things really. It's either he's got to be like monomaniacal, right? This is a this is a, some kind of psychological thing. It's a tick. I don't want to say disorder. Um, you know, this is a something something inside of him. A couple of points on this, actually three and three points. The first is is that we complain about some state senators, some senators from states who are underrepresenting their state on the conservative side. Yeah, I think he's doing the same for the. For the small state of Rhode he's Island, he's overrepresenting him on this thing. He's un. He's oh, he's not he's rep- not representing yeah. his state very well. Uh, well, I assume they use gas like everybody else, right? Well, this is uh, the second point. Thank you. Was I had no idea he made all his family and his wife made their money in the fossil fuel business. I knew it was something. I didn't. I know, had I, no clue. Yeah, I, I knew it was something like that. I didn't realize it was quite as that, quite that much engaged. And for in our it. listeners, to, as a reminder, uh, 
Diana's dig on uh, the Heritage Foundation being a club for all people is uh, a nod to the fact that the senator has been a member of an all-white beach club. Not no, not has been, is, is, and not one, two. There. Okay, thank you for that clarification. Two. So, Senator White's only White House. Nice to see folks giving it, giving it back it to It was him. so bad. It was so bad that when the story on this broke, he literally said, I think one of those clubs is just about to— um, about to allow a black dude in. <laughs> wow. and, and, and the reporter like hunted around for this mythical black dude and couldn't find him. So, yeah. But, anyways. Uh, and then, lastly, another big breaking news today uh, the uh, Hunter Biden investigation continues. Uh, Congressman James Comer, the chairman of the House Oversight Committee, identified nine, nine family members, nine times, court. <laughs> Who have taken payments in the Biden family? Yeah, this thing. This, this thing, is a big story. Yeah, I know this thing is starting to starting to go tick tick tick, and it's going to be harder. I mean, I know the original plan was to give Hunter a um, tie it up in a bow and have it be a, a settlement, right? Where he he agreed to p- cop to two or three misdemeanors and time served, kind of thing. But it's going to be difficult to get away with that. The interesting, the other interesting thing is nothing. The Justice Department and the in the charges they've outlined so far haven't outlined drugs. I mean, the guys on camera using well, there's um, mentions crack of more than uh, once. In, in this. There's mentions of um, numerous uh, payments for escort services in Russia and things like that. But uh, well, it's just good college fun. I mean, the, the so so the quote here from the report is. Biden family, their businesses, associates, and their companies received over $10 million from companies belonging to foreign nationals with uh, Republicans identifying payments to nine, nine times, nine Biden family members from foreign companies while Joe Biden served as vice president under former President Barack Obama and after he left public office in 2017. So, uh, you know what, there's... There's just nothing good about this story. This is going to be ugly and terrible and get worse. And we'll see how we'll see how the uh, mainstream starts to cover this. They're going to have to now, right? CBS so. has picked it up, and I, I I have to believe. Well, New York Times has picked it Nine up times. as well, right? New York Times has picked it up. So, at some point, the Post is going to have to pick it up. Uh, that's going to so, be a, that's yeah. going to be a moment. I would I would I would um, alert everybody that Rosalind Helderman. Um, is now the deputy editor in charge of investigations at the Post. She's been an investigative reporter for a number of years, um, tagging mostly Republicans, if memory serves me correctly. So, um, Ross, you're up. You're on watch now. Do something right here. Okay, announcements. I have one. Uh, we would like to apologize for skipping a week. I would. That's my fault, so it's not your apology. We let had me, a man me, down. I, I was... Um, Tom was completely ready to go last week. I was physically unable to perform. So you feeling better? Have you got? Have you, I turned the corner at least. I am. I mean, I'm in desperate need of a nap right today. But whatever. Uh, we'll try to knock this out pretty quickly. I then. doubt that. And we so, always say that it never happens. So we so got anyway. a nice dinner tonight too. So, so. so I want to apologize to the audience. Um, we try not to skip a week, folks. But but it did remind us that we ought to get an intern in here 
to comb through the 130 episodes to find the, best, best, the, the of. best of, to give you all a best of on the on the weeks that we're yeah, we Give you a best break. of and see if anybody notices. <laughs> <laughs> all right, this day in history in 1869 it has nothing to do uh, with the you, Civil War. In 1860, this day in, in 1869, the Golden Spike was driven to Promontory Point. Boom. Man, you are good. It's the only thing that happened in 1869. You are good. The the Transcontinental Railroad was completed, folks, and that made uh, uh, transcontinental travel possible for the first time in U.S. history. Yeah, I'm not sure it was an improvement. You have to be honest. Look, look, looking back, I'm not sure we did. Well, we got the, you know, we got the high speed rail, you know, to look forward to when they take our cars away. In 1924, this was not such a great day. Overall, uh, in my opinion, and I think you would agree, in 1924, somebody began his tenure, and it became a 48-year tender. Don't tenure. tell me. Don't tell me. Don't tell me. Don't tell me. Don't tell me. That'd be 1972, right? 1924. 1972. 1972. Hoover. J. Edgar Hoover began a 48-year run as the James Comey of the of of his time. So, hey man, if you can't surveil some guys, come on. What's the point of being an FBI guy? Yeah, you should. Uh, I don't really usually get, steer our audience towards uh, Leo DiCaprio movies, but Hoover wasn't terrible. Let me put it to you this way: I, I, you know, being Irish, being Irish and Catholic in New York and DC, um, I grew up with a lot of um, cops and childrens of cops and. My best friend in high school, his dad was the um, was the office chief for the FBI here in Washington, right? The, the Washington office. Um, and those guys, to me, are, have always are always have always been heroes and are always gonna be heroes. But it's sort of like the military, you know. When you start sitting behind a desk, something happens to you, and not healthy. Something not healthy happens to you. You know, so. All right, in 1994. Yeah. This happened yeah. in another part of the world. Not a clue. Not a clue. Not one blessed clue. And a, gen- a, a gentleman named Nelson Mandela was free. Was inaugurated, inaugurated as the president of South Africa. Yeah. His efforts to end apartheid led to his imprisonment from 1962 to 1990 and earned him a share with F.W. de Klerk of the 1993 Nobel Peace Prize and became president of South Africa on this day. There you go. So that is this day in history, unless, of course, you have any yeah, this you days missed, in history. Yeah, you missed, you missed probably the, more, the most important day in history, right? May 10th, um, 1775. Um, the, the rebel forces, the American forces, under the leadership of... Um, General Nathaniel Green. Uh, and Benedict Arnold. Uh, not on this one, I don't think. I think Took it Ticonderoga. Was. No, Benedict Arnold was involved in that one. I think he might have been trying to take Canada at that point. Because I left that out. Well, you shouldn't have. It's the most important. It's, it is it is without a doubt the first or second most important military event in the revolution. Maybe the third. Saratoga, maybe Yorktown. And this was... But it was it was right at the top of the revolution. Got it. All right. Okay. Uh, we have talked about a, a bunch of things already because of the intro clips. But I wanted to bring up a story that I found just this morning in 
E and E News. Yeah, this is this is this is this Emma Dumain thing, isn't it? No, 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 no. Oh, this is there's something else bad in E and E News. There's something bad in E and E News. Yeah, this, you ready? Yeah, this is the Emma Dumain thing. Oh, it is? Okay, so I was looking at it differently. Who's the reporter? Senator's Eye Chips 2.0 yeah. as vehicle for a carbon tariff. <laughs> the taxers are at it again, folks. They want to tax your carbon. They want to tax your energy. So embarrassing. Uh, as senators from both parties, first of all, we don't need a Chips 2.0 because we didn't need a Chips 1.0. But you know how it goes, folks. Uh, seek a pathway for advancing a bill imposing carbon tariffs a potentially viable vehicle has emerged a nascent legislative package to boost u.s competitiveness against china (laughs) senate democrats announced last week they want to write a follow-up to chips and with the help of republicans opening the door to a rare opportunity to craft and even pass legislation that would have support from both sides of the aisle Car- There's enthusiasm for doing a, another U.S.-China competition bill, said Senator Chris Coons, Del- Delaware, in an interview with e News. A carbon tariff on, in- on carbon-intensive goods would coming into the country from places like China, he continued, would help American manufacturing. So now we're taxing carbon to help American manufacturing. And, of course, Bill Cassidy and Kevin Kramer are all over this story as well. So yeah, it's you know it's the same old same old. We're obviously going to have to suffer through this story until Alex Flint and, and Dave Banks get fired from their current jobs because <laughs> somebody must be paying them to plant these stories every month or so. Yeah, I, I'm tempted. I might start planting stories on my own about how we're actually thinking about doing some uh, some other right? crazy thing. You and I both know what what the next thing is to say on this, and let's do it at at, at the same time okay. on the count of three. One, two, three. Let's, let's vote. vote. Let's vote. <laughs> If it's that great an idea, let's it's vote. It's just that simple. I, it's Straight just, up or down. Let's do it. So, so tired of this nonsense. Okay. By the way, Grover Norquist, if you're out there, it would help terminate all of this if you would just identify this thing as a tax. That would blow it up right away. We wouldn't have to worry about it anymore. Uh, I've got another one in Energy World. Uh, this is from the New York Times. This is from May 6th. Uh, backup power. Oh, this one. A growing need. If you can afford it, extreme weather linked to climate change is causing more blackouts, but generators and batteries are still out of reach for many. Yeah. This 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 story. I assume we're going to put it up in the show notes. Yes, we will. We we always do. Basically, the New York Times after after buffaloing everybody into trying to shut down power plants now wants everybody to buy one for their backyard. Except it's really expensive. It turns out that only rich people can afford stuff like microgrids. Yeah. And yeah, exactly. I mean, so you know. the grids will be more vulnerable, said an engineer, an engineering professor at the University of Southern California, and an expert in disaster response. That furthers the, the divide between the haves and have-nots. That's true. It's true. A simple answer would be make sure the actual grid yeah, works like, like it used supposed, to. Like it used to. Before they got involved in exactly. all of this garbage, right? Exactly. Thank you, Professor. Yeah. So uh, so I thought that was pretty funny. And, and also, uh, it already is happening, of course. The folks in California who are being told not to charge their EVs during, you know, an, an anticipated brownouts and blackouts uh, forced blackouts happened to most of them happen to have the income levels where 
you can probably bet if you got an EV, a, a fourth car uh, Tesla in your parking lot, you've got a full backup generator in your backyard, right? So, yes, let's hope so. Uh, and then there's one more on energy, and I thought this was also pretty interesting. This is from Bloomberg, and this is uh, EVs are cleaning up California's air, but mostly for the affluent. This is from Todd Woody. A new study finds that California's electric vehicle rebate program is resulting in cleaner air. But wealthier communities so far are reaping most of the benefits. Researchers at Berkeley, UNC Chapel Hill, and University of Miami analyzed the geographic distribution of more than 400,000 rebates issued in California since 2010 for the purchase of electric vehicles. Then they modeled estimated emissions of CO2, NOx, stop, and SOx. Stop, stop, blah, 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 stop, blah, blah, stop, so stop. On. What's the important word in that sentence? The important word There's is- There's two important words in this, What in that sentence. Read the whole sentence again. The number? Again. No, no, no. Read the whole sentence again. Uh, I'm not going to read the researchers. For, read it, read a it. A new study finds that the California's electric vehicle rebate program is resulting in cleaner air. That's not true, and that's not what that sentence says. What the sentence says is they modeled estimated emissions. They yes. modeled estimated what, what emissions. What is the key word there that you just said? Modeled. The modeling. They modeled. So they model the models for the climate crisis, it's, and they model the models for the cleanups. Ladies and gentlemen, we're being lied to. So the only, anyway, the only question is by who and how much. Uh, okay, so that's all I have for energy this week. Anything on your uh, on your radar? On energy? Yeah. On energy. Yeah, man. John Kerry went to the coronation. So America was safe for at least like two or three days <laughs> while he had to work his way through London. Did, how and, do you and, think he and, got there? And I'm sure he, he rode his boat across the Atlantic. And one other his thing. His little parasail? One <laughs> parasail other, boat? One other thing while we're on while we're on. Um, Senator Kerry, Ambassador Kerry being in, at the coronation. It was curious. He was wearing medals, Vietnam era I thought, medals. Weren't, the ones he, weren't those the ones he tossed to, to... Apparently, ladies and gentlemen, we have a answer to the long-running question of what happened to those medals. He, he miraculously, I thought he tossed them. He miraculously found them and was wearing them at the church during the coronation. I, I, I words fail me for what kind that. of guy we, this we is. We love special envoy, Carrie. Words such a fail me. Man. Sorry. All right. Uh, really, I don't know if that was energy. It was more personality, but. Yeah, tomato, tomato. Yeah, okay. <laughs> All right. So Tucker and Twitter versus the world. Wait a minute. I got one other thing on energy. Oh, I'm sorry. Go no, ahead. No, no. I just, I just, I'm just reading my thing now. Uh, last week, but we missed it because I because I fell down. Um, last week, the Supreme Court took certiorari on Loper on the Loper case. That's a specific attempt to blow up Chevron deference, um, which is the deference, which is simply a, the the um, deference that agencies get in interpreting what they're considered to be their own organic statutes. This has been a a grail of administrative state reformers for. I don't know, 25 years. Um, you do not take a, a, I don't say it's a chicken feed case, but it's a chicken feed case like Loper, unless you don't grant cert on that, unless you're planning on blowing up to Chevron. I suspect 10 months from now, we're going to be looking at a completely different 
regulatory environment on tailpipes, on 111, well, I, on I all this stuff. I absolutely hope you're right, but I, we, we cannot let up on, oh, you no. know, it, on getting engaged and, and engaging right. folks on and on them all because, as I've stated in the past, um, you know, uh, unfortunately, certain interests will make decisions based on anticipated regulations, and then by then they'll come turn around and cry that they, well, you know, that we, they don't want to actually get rid of the regulation because, well, we've already made the investment. Yeah. So we got to stay on top of this stuff. I'm not counting on the Supreme Court. And by the way, this is the reason for the continued harassment of Justice Thomas. Sure, man. And the continued harassment of the conservatives on the Supreme Court because the left anticipates. They know it's coming. Doesn't matter. uh, And they're seeking to try to make this court uh, make, create the perception that this court is illegitimate. Yeah, it does. You know, the beautiful thing is we don't have another one, so it doesn't really matter what anybody thinks. And these guys, I'm sure, will take the long view anyway. Um, But I think it's going to get ugly soon because I know that there are folks who are ready to talk about the vacations that some of the liberal justices have taken over the years. So yeah, it's you know people people get silly, silly things happen. All I can tell you is my man Neil Young is right. Russ never sleeps. Uh, Should we should we talk Tucker now? Yeah, sure. Talk Tucker. Yes, we can talk Tucker. Okay, so everybody, I'm sure probably have seen this, has seen this because. Uh, as our friend Dan pointed out, it got like two million views within five minutes of being uh, released. But Tucker put out another video, yes. a nicer background. <laughs> he was framed a little bit more nicely, uh, so they're you know they're working in progress. the The background was a little blurry. It was it looked it looked much sharper, much crisper. But in essence, he said, "I'm going to be doing a version of my show, and my t- my uh, platform is going to be Twitter." Yeah. And, oh, let me just tell you, let me give you a couple of headlines on, on what the result of this was. This is CNN, who supposedly, you know, they're having the big Trump thing tonight on CNN. Right? Town Hall, Town, Town baby. Hall on CNN. There's, they're supposed to be, what, trying to get back to hard news and cleaning out some of the... Yeah. <clears throat> this is from this morning. Oliver Darcy at CNN. Okay, I'll read the headline, but then I'll read the, the, the first line of the article. Tucker Carlson announces plans to relaunch his show on Twitter. Ready? Right-wing extremist Tucker Carlson announced Tuesday that he will relaunch his program, which he praised as the only remaining large, on Twitter, which he praised as the only remaining large free speech platform in the world after Fox News fired him late last month. Blah, 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 video, etc. Speech is the fundamental prerequisite for democracy. That's why it was enshrined in our, in the first of our constitutional amendments. Carlson said, amazingly, as of tonight, there are not many platforms left that allow free speech. The last one big remaining is Twitter, where we are now. Dude, he, I wonder if you Tucker did... Carlson is the last person in Washington, D.C. that you could call a right-wing extremist. He is the epitome of country club Republican. Yeah, I was, you know, but this, this is a guy, this is a guy who grew up in the business in Washington. I mean, he is It's just amazing. He's, he's a swamper. I mean, I love him, but he's a swamper. He'd and be the and first you know, we, we're too. talking about his conversion, which is wonderful, but he is Anything but a right-wing extremist. Now, hold on for a second. I'm I'm busy googling Ol- Oliver Darcy left-wing extremist. I'm willing to bet nothing comes up. Yeah. Now, while you're doing that, I want to read another one, and this is from Axios, which you know is uh, probably close to my second least in town. Yeah. This is the 
this is their analysis. The trust nothing election. Brace yourself for a new scary dynamic in American politics. The trust nothing era. Why it matters. Two trends are about to unfold in real time. Elon Musk and Tucker Carlson are joining forces, each warning that you should trust nothing outside of Twitter. Two, the brains behind generative AI warned administration officials during a recent White House meeting of an imminent explosion of highly convincing and manipulative fake videos and stories in the run-up to the 2024 election. Twitter, okay, this is their, this is their take. Twitter itself is likely to be ground zero for the spread of generated fake, fake news and lies. Uh, the mainstream media, which has studied up on misinformation over the past two elections, will be the first and best line of defense against those lies. And then lastly, compared to the rest of the world, Americans are already much more skeptical of what they see on social media and what they're told by traditional media outlets. So the, the traditional media is saying that we're heading for an era of, quote unquote, trust nothing in news. I, um, I agree with that. I want, to, I want to just remind everybody that at the top of this program, not 30 minutes ago, we listened to the legacy media as they indulged all the Democrats saying, we're not going to ban gas stoves. And then not say a word when not two months later, <laughs> Democrats banned gas stoves. So, again, we're, we're, the gaslighting is just is ridiculous in this country yeah, now. Just, it's, it, 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 it has gotten to the point where it's, it's, um, it's fantastical. It's too funny. You can't possibly take it seriously. You know, Oliver Darcy, I, who my guess is a communist himself, right? You know, call somebody else a right-wing extremist. I'm like, sure, buddy, whatever. New scary dynamic. Trust nothing in media. Uh, I, uh, dude, where have they been? Seriously. Honest to God? Why do you think we're here? I was there in 1982. Where <laughs> you guys been? Welcome. Welcome yeah, to Fantasy seriously. Island, gang. Uh, okay, so uh, I have a rundown of oh. some Senate. Yes. Should we go through these? Or, if you or want. Is it, is it time to if do If you want, sure. Okay. I'm happy to give my opinion. By that, I mean, All right. I'm so going to give I my just opinion. thought it would be nice. You know, the, the 2024 Senate races are shaping up. Yeah. And uh, there are a few folks announced and a few folks likely to announce. I think it'd be better to describe it as we're stumbling towards right. the 2024. Right. Okay. Fair enough. So um, uh, Arizona, Kirsten Cinema is uh, now an independent and so far a congressman. Uh, a Democrat, Ruben Gallego, and a Republican, Mark Lamb, uh, are are in. Yeah. Uh, and Cinema has not decided, declared her intention yet. And Carrie Lake is uh, being bounced around as a likely. Carrie Lake's not going to run. As well as Blake Masters as a possible. Carrie Lake's not going to run. So. I doubt Blake's going to run too. So that's Cal. That's Arizona. Yeah, it's going to be Gallego against against the Republican nominee, but I don't know who it's going to be. And, and Cinema's going to run again too. And she's probably going to get about 30% of the vote. And Gallego's going to get about 30% of the vote. And then... Now I'm not sure what happens with the rest right. of the 40% of the vote. Interesting. It's, it's going to be interesting. It, it, there, there, are, there are about... There are probably 60, 62% of the voters who would vote for a libertarian, you know, leaning Republican who's not Blake Masters or not Kerry Lake. All right. California, we have, uh, of course, an open seat. Uh, by the way, Senator Feinstein is back today. Welcome back to Washington, Senator. Congratulations. Your uh, your 
your Democrats who have been beating on you for the last, I don't know how many weeks, apparently have, uh, have, uh, have had an impact. So we have 24, 23 candidates announced, of which the ones that matter are three Democrats, Barbara Lee, Katie Porter, and Adam Schiff. Hey. We don't have to get it. We we talked about. I was going to say, you know, this California race, mafia stuff. You, you know already, this race so. better than I do. You you, right. you know it's coming down to. So uh, in Florida, Rick Scott's in. Rick Scott's going to win. Running against a uh, another Republican, Keith Gross. Don't ask me why. And no Democrats have Rick, announced. No, yet. nobody's going to run against Rick Scott. So he's even if even if somebody raised their hand, he'd still win seventy five twenty five. Yeah, Cal, uh, Florida. It's not just that, right? It's that it's that it's that um there's no reason not to vote for him. That's right. He's been right? a great senator and 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 you know, he he tends to the home fires and I'm he, waiting for Charlie Chris though. He's got to throw his name <laughs> in there. All right, uh in Indiana, Senator Mike Braun is leaving. Yeah. It leaves the seat open. We mm-hmm. have Jim Banks. Yeah. A conservative stalwart in the house who mm-hmm. has announced and a few other minor candidates so far. Waiting for Governor Eric Holcomb to make a decision. Waiting for another Republican, uh, Jennifer Ruth Green, to make a decision. And uh, not much action on the D side. Yet. I think Jennifer Ruth Green is going to run again for Congress, not for the so, House, not the Senate. I don't know what Governor Holcomb's going to do. I so, think Jim Banks is going to. He needs to. He needs to pull the trigger fairly quickly. I think Banks, and if he has six more months of fundraising, yeah, it's not going to matter. Yeah, right. Maryland. Who the the great state of Maryland. Do we have a Republican running in Maryland? No, but uh, this will be David Trone, who's got like bi- millions and millions of dollars to throw in. Uh, I want everybody to close their eyes for 10 seconds or five seconds. Everyone close your eyes for five seconds and see if you can name the two senators, the two current senators from Maryland. Uh, I can. Yeah. Van Hollen, Ben Cardin. Wow, very good. This is Ben Cardin's open seat because he's retiring as well. Let me so. ask you a question. Ben Cardin's been in elected office. <laughs> I don't know anything that he's done. I know nothing give me, that he's give done. Give me any idea because I wrote a column. Didn't he replace a Cardin? Or that was someone? No, it was somebody else. Okay. You know, I, look, I wrote this column about him. About him, He got elected to his first office. Like county council or some stupid. Uh, we got a lot to cover here. Just, so just, we're not going up. anywhere. This is 57 years ago. He was in law school, for God's sake. And, you know, it'd be one thing if this guy was some kind of legislative giant, but he literally has just been a time server. Joe Biden. Joe Biden looks like a guy, a man of substance in comparison. (laughs) So the big thing there is it could be the left's darling Jamie Raskin who who potentially takes on uh, David Trone. Uh, But Jamie will have Mr. Congressman Raskin will have a hard time. Who cares? uh, In that means Maryland. Who cares? There used to be Republican senators from Maryland. No, there Believe wasn't. Believe it or not, long time Yeah, ago. Mac Mathias, but he didn't yeah. really count. All right, Michigan, another Democrat open seat. Uh, Debbie Stabenow's leaving. Announced Alyssa Slotkin, Democrat, and uh, she of the she of the non-disclosure agreements with Chinese companies. Yes, yes. Leslie Love, an ex-state rep, uh, and a couple others. I can't uh, I can't figure out or assume that they're going to have a a, a time. Um, and there's rumors that uh, Justin Amash might. Throw his throw his name. In I am name. willing to bet that John James was going to run. What for the Republicans? I've heard Meyer. Who's Meyer? Peter Meyer. Peter Meyer, the grocery guy, the guy who was in Congress for a, a, a cup of coffee, two years. Okay, he's got money. He's okay. a, he, he could be an independent funder. There we go. It's going to yeah. get a little messy in the Republican side, I think. 
Um, Montana John Tester yeah. is announced. Yep. He would like to re- remain in the in the great tradition of Max Bacchus. He would like to be a liberal senator from Montana for four years and a conservative or or independent-leaning senator from Montana for the two years he's in cycle. Yeah. So uh, Tester's in. Uh, likely, but no one announced yet on the R side, Rep Rosendale and a aerospace company yeah. CEO named Tim Shahid. Yeah, it's the self-founder that guy. The, yeah. Tim, the self-founders is going to be the is, is going to be the preferred choice. I'll tell you right now, Tester's going to lose that race. I he, hope so. His time's up. I, I you hope know, so. He's you know, like I said, it's he, a, he it's follow a, the Max Bacchus model. It's a plus fifteen, and Max eventually ran out of ran out ran of runway out of excuses, too. It, right? It's a plus fifteen Republican state. John Tester's just the wrong, um, wearing the wrong uniform, the wrong time, wrong place. Uh, Pete Ricketts appointed to the Senate uh, after a... the departure of yeah, Nebraska. Uh, yep, and um, I'd be amazed. He's if announced he's running again. I'd be amazed if anybody even runs against him. Uh, and in Nevada, Jackie Rosen is up. Yeah, and vulnerable. she's back in and vulnerable. Right, she won by less. I, I haven't. I don't have a full grasp of those numbers, but I think she won by less than one. One percent or one point two percent last uh, time. Jim Marchant, ex-state assemblyman, twenty twenty-two Secretary of State nominee, has announced he's running in the yeah. Republican Party. Yeah, uh, and we have a likely and a gentleman named Sam Brown, who is a Afghan Afghani war veteran and a twenty twenty-two Senate candidate as well. Yeah, and of course the usual suspects are all possibles, including. Dean Heller and Adam Laxalt and Danny Tarkanian. See, so, yeah, the great thing about Nevada is, I think all of those guys have now had a chance. They've all lost. lost. So I think we're gonna we're gonna get, get a, a new, new round. Crop. We yeah, are. I, I'm, yeah. I'm with you on that. Yeah, I'm excited about that. So and and Matt Cortez Masto is not in cycle anymore and That's won, right. and she's voting a lot with the Republicans. That's right. She 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 so she, she knows what's going on yeah. in the state of Nevada, right? right? She, uh, Ohio Sherry's back in. Sherry Brown is back in. Matt yeah. Dolan, a state senator and 2022 candidate. Another one, an auto dealer, Bernie Marino, who was another Senate candidate. Uh, and maybe Frank LaRose, the current Secretary of State. Yeah, if Tr- Trump Park World's going to splinter on this one between Bernie and um, and Matt. I think they're going to wind up endorsing Bernie. But um, this is a second. It, it's one of the two. It's one of the two really nail biter races in this cycle. All right, there are more, but we're getting along here. Should we go through them all? Keep going. All right, fine. Uh, we got Pennsylvania, Bob Casey. He's back in. Uh, and we don't have anyone yet, but uh, it's, again, a repeat of either Mastriano we're gonna or get, McCormick. We're going to get Dave McCormick, and Dave's going to probably beat Casey. You think he's got a he's yes. sharpened himself up yes. a little bit? I think he was the, fine the, last time. Yeah. If 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 President Trump hadn't endorsed Doctor Oz, McCormick wins that primary and goes on and wins the general. Um, uh, McCormick's going to win this time. He's going to win the primary. He's going to win the general. He's going to be a senator. All right, Texas. Who cares? Senator Ted's back up. Oh yeah, that that and uh, against Colin Allred, who's been described as a, seen... who's been described as a, an NFL football star. Yeah. I assume that means he played like once. Yeah, but there's still room for Beto. I mean, come on, there gotta be there's, there's gotta be a rematch. <laughs> come on in, Beto. Let's do it again. Let's do it again. Country? Mitt Romney is up. He'll win. Mitt Romney is up. He'll win uh, because God wants us to suffer a little bit. Chaffetz, Chaffetz is thinking about it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
but Chris Stewart's also thinking about it. I'm thinking about it too. I, I hope the Utahns. Me, get... I hope the Utahns have, have better sense than to. They elected John Romney. Curtis for God's sake, so. Tom. I, the big one, the big one in West Virginia, Joe Manchin's up has not announced. He's a... still contemplating, and we have Governor Jim Justice and Alex Mooney. I've already announced on the. The only thing side. that's going to happen there is the, the only the only possible conclusion that doesn't wind up with Jim Justice winning is if Joe Manchin switches parties and Trump Trump endorses him. That's it. Yeah. Jim yeah. Justice is going to stomp him. Otherwise, everybody, everybody listening, I want you to um, listen close because I'm going to help you win bets. Everybody thinks that Joe Manchin like won enormously, you know, five six years ago in his last race. He was he just stomped everybody. He's never lost in thirty years. Blah blah blah. This that and the other thing. He won with forty eight point six percent of the vote. He beat a guy by a percent one percentage point. He beat a guy who was native to New Jersey for God's yeah, sake. Yeah. So this idea that Joe Manchin is some big bad killer Godzilla in. West Virginia electoral politics is nonsense. So, so let me just let's pause here because I got a couple more, and then uh, one more actually, two more, one more. Sorry, Joe Manchin is doing the Joe Manchin dance. Yeah, man. He he is a good loyal Democrat who gave the Democrats and the president exactly what he needed and wanted in the end, and now he's doing the tack back. Well, he... and the most recent tack back, which you shared with me today, yeah. is. He's all full of fire and brimstone about EPA nominees, and he's gonna re- no he's more, gonna hold them all. No more EPA nominees. I'm gonna hold them all until you guys tack, you know, until you guys, you know, uh, do something, do something on the IRA that you're to, not supposed to be doing. I'm going to leave the 10,000 EPA bureaucrats <laughs> to their own devices. <laughs> what the hell? So. Joe, we're on to you, Joe. Talking about a guy who invented the IRA. We are he, wasn't, on, he, didn't, he didn't just vote for it. He created we're it. We're on to you, Joe. We're on to you. It's just, I'm, Lastly, Tammy Baldwin in Wisconsin. Um, there's nobody yet, you know, significant. Uh, rule was, in Wisconsin is one so, conservative, one not one conservative. progressive. Always. Yeah. It's Always. Kind of interesting. So there is your Senate rundown, whether you liked it or not, ladies and gentlemen. And I've got a quick one in the White House because we didn't mention this. It's a couple weeks old now, but we should it is official. It. Glenn Youngkin is not running. I would put an error bar around that. I don't think he said that. He didn't say that. Okay. Well, well, would you like to clarify? I would love to clarify what he what he. It has been reported that he said he wasn't running in 2024, but all over the place, by the way. But that is not, in fact, what he said. Okay. What he said was, "I have no plans to run. I'm now focused on the state senate races in Virginia." Which, by the way, for those of you who don't live in Virginia, we're we're neck and neck. We're neck and neck. Senate split 22-18. Everybody's up. House is split 53-47. Republican 22-18. Democrat in the Senate. Um, elections are November. Um, he, what his big theory of life is, is he needs to win that state Senate. That would happen in November. And he could slot in very nicely into the January, February, March primaries. Right. Well, so, I'm just saying so that he, because it it, it, it it has been reported I that see he's that, not running. Yeah. And we already know how reporting is the state of reporting these <laughs> this days. Whole, this so whole cast has been I about stand the no, no, no. I wasn't correcting you. I was correcting the reporting. That's all. Okay. Okay. Right. What else you got? Uh, I got it real quick because I know you're on, you've been sort of following this this uh, jag, and uh, what is uh, I want you to comment on it. Okay. I'm, I don't really have a lot to comment. So on, Jan, uh, on May 4th, 
a the the head of the Proud Boys, Enrique Terrio, yeah, um, and three allies were were indeed found guilty of seditious conspiracy. Yeah, uh, we're still waiting. Awaiting. I think we're awaiting a sentence. I don't think I've I've heard that there's been a sentence. There's not a sentence. Justice has asked for. So, uh, Justice Department's asked for fifteen years. I want to say for each of them. Which, for those of you keeping score, would be about twice the national average for what we give um, uh, murder one um, defendants, convicts. Yeah. So I anticipate that the judge in question is going to give him five or six years. Here's the problem the judge has. it You know, conspiracy things routinely get flipped on appeal because somebody's like, okay, what's the underlying crime? Right. Um, is this sort of what the indictments are in New York for, yeah, for President a little Trump? Bit, a little bit. A little bit like that. A little, a little bit in front. Yeah. So I think yeah. he, I think there's there's going to be a strong urge to be like, you know what, five years and basically you're eligible for parole right at the minute. Yeah, and he's they've served a lot of time already. Yeah, they already so, served. They got three years right. in the bag already, so, man. Um, okay, so that was that. Uh, that was also in the news uh, this since our last episode. And another piece of news. And much less good than the last one. Here is, uh, again, our friends at Axios. Neera Tandon to lead the Domestic Policy Council. She will replace Susan Rice as head of the DPC, according to Biden officials familiar with the move. Um, so those of you who don't remember who <laughs> Neera Tandon is, allow me to refresh your memory. She was a. She has, of course, been John Podesta's bag lady for a number of years. Uh, fills his chair when he was popping in and out of the White House at the Center for American Progress, where she oversaw some sexual harassment uh, uh, issues. Uh, where she has um, also was up for a confirmation. OMB for OMB, yeah. a Senate confirmed position yeah. for which she had to withdraw, withdraw because well she didn't, she was a little bit hat like she had a little happy trigger finger with her tweets Jeez. over the years, a very angry, caustic progressive to replace Susan Rice. I don't think that the two are indistinguishable, but it also points to the the, the power and the control that the Obama wing of the Democratic Party still has in the Democratic Party. So that day when Barack Obama was quote-unquote joking about like wishing he could have someone in the White House who he could like have do all the parroting of what he wants done. Yes. Anyway, Not really you can joking. draw your own conclusions, but... Not really joking. Near a mean tweet, Tandon is now running the D Domestic Policy Council. So her and John are back at it, tag-teaming, spending all our taxpayer money, giving it to all their green friends, who were probably donors of the Center for American Progress at one point in time. And people say what? That, I don't know. I'm Maybe I'm just cynical. She doesn't hesitate to share what she thinks. I, my prediction is she's going to be six, eight months in the White House, and then they're going to have to move her off to the campaign. Yeah, well, I mean, you know, she did I mean, she, claim that Russian hackers flipped votes from Clinton to Trump in 2016. That was one of her one of her doozies. Here, here's here's the thing between you know what was her previous job? What, what, she she warmed Podesta's chair at the Center for American Progress. Is she, that what she did? Well, whatever. Anyway, yeah. Domestic Policy Council. You're in the middle of like you're in the middle of the West Wing, and you're doing stuff. 
And um, you're engaging in people with people who like have their own thoughts and their own abilities. And I get, the, just stay, I, just I, leave I it the, right there. I get, I get the feeling that's not going to go well. I mean, call me crazy, but it's just not going to go well. Just leave it right there. I am finished. I, I have a closer. Yeah, I got one thing. Uh, so the floor is yours, sir. I was having dinner with some friends of mine a couple of weeks back, and one of them admit, was kind enough to admit um, that he did not routinely listen to our podcast, and um, and he said it was it was too uh, conversational. Um, you know, we didn't get to the point quick enough, et cetera, et cetera, or something, something there on. And, and then, you know, we got into, well, how many listeners do we have and how many listeners other people have? And, um, and I didn't know how to, I didn't know how to say this. So, so I've been thinking about it for 10, 12 days now. I want to say it this way. Fritz, the reason why we do this is not because uh, we don't do it to garner listeners and we don't do it to garner um, personal fame. We certainly don't do it to garner wealth. Um, yeah, because none of those things are right, actually exactly. happening right now to the chagrin of our producer. We so. do it. We do it because at one point in our careers, we committed to the idea of telling the truth as best as we understood it and as much as we could without really hurting somebody else's feelings. And this show is an extension of our professional efforts, part of our professional efforts, to tell the truth as best we understand it. And like all art, it's as much about what the artist is trying to do as what the observers are trying to receive. You know, if if we had 10 listeners, we would still do it. If we had 10 million listeners, we would not do it any differently than we do it now. This is our very best effort to transmit import, what we consider to be important truths on a timely basis. So I hope that's helpful because I know I didn't give you a good answer when we were at dinner the other night. Sorry about that. But you thought about it. Sure. And that's very a very good summation. Yeah. I like it. I will, I will just do one caveat. I am open to improving the format sure to changing things up here and there yeah. but you've, you've you've caught the essence of what we're trying to achieve yeah, we're, so we're thank the, you for that that's yeah, good 10 10 million now you are very well spoken <laughs> so i want to close with another very well spoken gentleman about meeting the moment when we look back years from now we'll know whether we met this moment you know, so you got to let me tell you something because that's so important because all of you, we will meet this moment because of you. Okay. <laughs> oh, God. I'll you got to let him. You just, yeah. Later on, he'll be talking about Venn diagrams. <laughs> all right. That's a wrap, ladies and gentlemen. Number 131. In the books. And you know what? You and Tucker, you got you're on the same path there. Yeah, I know. The truth. We're seeking the truth. I know. It's not helpful. So now this day, everybody. Hey.